I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, the future is lily white. Come on, you Spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 10, Episode 29. I'm Jack. I'm AST. I'm Chris. And we were just saying before we started recording how nice it was to not have to look back over a disappointing result at the weekend. So there's no games for us to review this week, but we thought we'd have a bit of a fun podcast and play a bit of a Spurs all-time 11 game, but with a twist. So what we're going to do is we're going to take it in turns and picking players to create our ultimate Spurs 11. However, the rule is that whatever player, um, whatever letter the last person's player ends with, the next person's player has to start with. So, for what? example... I've prepared a team. I didn't know we were bouncing like Yeah, this. but me neither. I've prepared a team. Let's do both. Oh, yeah, I haven't fine. prepared. I was, I, I was ready to bounce. Fine. Let's do both. Let's it's do both. Hard, I've it's got hard. two teams. I've got one in order, like um, Aiden suggested, yeah. but I've got one that's a bit of a free-for-all as well. Oh, amazing. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you two start with the teams you've prepped and then I can try and make a prepped one as we go. Hey, I'll tell you why it's hard, because if you have a look at our goalkeepers, right, the, the, the rule is they have to, yeah, the, the next player has to start with the letter that the last one ended. There's not many letters that our goalkeepers has ended with. So you've got S, N, R, T. E. Um, um, and, if, and if and if you go S, it means you probably pick Gomez, which again is not great for your team, is it? So. Well, you've got Barry Danes, who played for us 173 times in the 70s. You've got Bill Jacques from the from 1914, who played 138. Cyril Spires, similarly 170 times. Hugo, Joe Nichols, who played in the 20s. There's a lot of play. I've got two players who played in black and white because otherwise it would be impossible. Chris, go on. Do your one in order. My one in order. Okay, yeah. so it's a four-four-two. Yeah. So I've got can Eric Torres. Sorry for interrupting, Chris. Mm. C- can we just say what order means? Because there's some people who might not know. So the one to eleven, I've got them listed down here. Is number one is goalkeeper. Number two is always a right back. Yeah. Number three is a left back. Yep. Four and five are centre backs yep. typically. Six is central defensive midfielder. Seven is right attacking midfielder. Eight is your central and box-to-box midfielder. Nine's a striker. Ten's attacking. Eleven is left attacking player. So that. Funnily enough, you're right in terms of the numbers and the old school, but I did it where I I didn't think about the numbers and I went goalkeeper, right back, left back, centre backs, right midfield, left midfield, oh, centre midfield, uh, right, two okay. centre forwards. Okay. Okay. But actually, uh, yeah, that. I mean, I do, I do like that sort of the old school numbering, but I didn't mm. do it like that. <laughs> so we've got Eric Torsved in goal, Eric the Viking. Okay. You know, decent yeah. shout. And then Terry Naylor at right back. Yeah. Um, Ron Henry at left back. A central defensive pairing that I'm actually quite proud of. It's going from Ron Henry to Eunice Kabul and Eunice Kabul to Ledley King. Oh, I managed nice. to get Ledley into the, into a central defence, which I'm happy about. And then, of course, if you're going from your uh, centre back to a right midfielder, I know it's not traditionally his place, but uh, I then put Glenn Hoddle at right midfield. Strong. Move to Eric Lamera, Eric Lamera, Lamella in left midfield. Easy if you'd say. Alan Nielsen in central midfield, alongside Naeem. 
And then Martin Chivers and Sonny up front. That's decent. That's decent. That's, that's my in order team. Okay. I've got two in. I've actually got loads. I've, I, I, well, no, I've got five, but I've got two that I'm, I'm willing to go. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. My first one. Okay, here we go. I'm going to do this one. Paolo Gazaniga in goal. So into A. Alf Ramsey. I've got <laughs> Eunice Kabul at left back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Imagine the chaos Let of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ledley King. G. Graham Roberts at centre back. S. Central defensive. Stefan Freund. Right attacking. D. David Ginola. Hang on, hang on. Was that Stefan Freund at central defence? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. This which is very make, difficult. Which, I mean, it, it makes sense. If you're playing Eunice Kabor at left back, you might as well play Stefan Freund at centre. <laughs> Fine. Let me finish this one. Anna Nielsen, Nico Clancy, Nico Crenshaw, and then I've got Via or Rafa van der Vaart. But let me do the other one. Uh, so I've got. Oh, yeah, I've got. Yeah. Okay. Um, Paolo Gazaniga, Arthur Willis, right back from a long time ago. Steve Sedgley at left back. Eunice Kabul, Ledley King. G, Glenn Hoddle as your number six in the midfield. Eric Lamella as your right hand. A, Arthur Rowe in the middle. E, Adebayor, Emmanuel Adebayor, number nine. R, Ricardo Villa, attacking midfielder. And on the left, I've got Gilzine, Alan Gilzine. Strong. I'm, I'm right. excited to, to do these teams that bounce because these sides are going to be so bad. <laughs> right. Do you want to hear my other one? I've got a 3 4 yes, 3 here. Yes, please. Yeah. So I've just it's in random order, so you have to like write it down yourself. So Pat Jennings to Sonny. Sonny to Nick Sonny so Sun Hyung Min to Nico Cranchar. Nico Cranchar to Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane to Eric Lamella. Eric Lamella to Alan Nielsen again. Alan Nielsen to Naeem again. But what I was pleased with this time is I managed to get in one of my all time favourites of the modern era, Musa Dembele. Oh nice. To Eric Dyer. And then to Richard Goff. And that was the whole reason I did all of this was to go from Richard Goff to Harry Kane. Because the I, only way I could find to go to Harry Kane was from Richard Goff. Ah, I st- in my one that bounces, I started with Harry Kane. And then I went number one, Harry Kane. Number two, Eric Dyer. Number three, Ricardo Villa. Number four, Aaron Lennon. From Lennon, I went to Nasser Chadley. Strong. <laughs> and then I, Ian Walker, in goal. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Ralph Coates, into Stevie Carr, Jack. Ron Henry, old guy. Eunice Cabal, Ledley King. Nice. I just love that Eunice Cabal is popping up in every, near yeah. every side so far. It's the only time he's making it into Spur, a Spurs all-time 11 <laughs> is when you're limited on the letters that you can use. He's the only Y. He's the only one that enjoy. we've got way more V's than Y's. Anyway, should we should we have a go at doing this? Have you got one though? Have you made one, Jack? While we've been talking, I mean, I've attempted to. I've, I've got. I've managed to get into midfield, and I mean, I regret mocking Stefan Freund at centre half to be honest, because <laughs> some of the names I've got written down here is just like it's absolutely dreadful. So this is what I've got. I've got a back four and three midfielders, but I'm stuck. Um, I went Loris in goal because I thought S would be the easiest letter to go on. So it's Loris in goal. Steve Carr, centre-half. Nice. Then I'm stuck on R's for centre-back. And I've ended up going with Ricardo Rocha, 
absolutely dreadful, dreadful <laughs> centre back pairing. But him paired with Anthony Gardner doesn't doesn't give you with too much uh, too much hope. And then you know how uh, Gardner used to pull his shorts up. Do you remember that? Yeah, <laughs> I actually thought he was going to be a half decent player, Anthony Gardner, but it didn't happen. And then left back starting with R. I was just like, have we have we ever had any? And the only one I could think of was Reto Ziegler, and he was just. You know, absolutely atrocious. Unless he I was a left back, though, so that's pretty good. So all the positions are, are fair so far. Then R going into midfield, Rafa van der Vaart on the right. Then centre midfield, T, Tom Huddleston. Nice. But then E for central midfielders, I've gone for the 2017 version of Eric Dyer, where he did play in midfield and he was okay. And, and that's where I've got stuck because I'm on the left wing now with R again. There's a lot of R's popping up in my side. Got Ricky Villa on the left wing, can't you? Yeah, Rule Fox. Fuck Rule Fox. I'll put Rule Fox in because he's. I, I can say that I don't do that. Ju- just saw him. Don't so do that. Lo- and there's lots of players that start with X that played up front. <laughs> <laughs> <so. laughs> uh, Ricky Villa and then A's up front. Um, you could have. There isn't. Or I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play Aaron Lennon on the right, and I'm gonna play Aaron Lennon as an advanced midfielder because Tim Sherwood once played him centre midfield. Where did Alan Mullery play? Was he in? He was. Was he more of a midfielder than a forward? I don't know. It's a bit before me that. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick. I'm not that old, Jack. To be fair, but I do know that he played for us. If you, if you put uh, Nicky Barnby as a forward, you can have Eunice Kabul back, Jack, playing like a oh, wide left. I have to get you, try and get Eunice Kabul in the side, don't I, really? So, <laughs> yeah. um, so let's have a go at doing one then. No okay. prep. And let's just sort of see see where we go. Uh, who ASD, I'll let you have the first name. So you can pick you can pick your first name, your goalie. Hugo Lloris. So then, then what would we do? Are we going to number two now? So to yeah, I think we go round. So you'd go right back, then I'd go set, and we'll work it like that. Oh, we're doing it in turns. We're not just kind of like helping each other out. Okay. Everyone okay, for himself. Then. Everyone for himself here, isn't it? Well, we've oh, got. Goodness. Well, uh... Jack's favourite player. We've got a current right back with an S. We have Serge Aurier. Thank you, ASD. I go, but that puts me back to the R's. I'm going to have to have Ricardo Rocha again. <laughs> it's the same with my other side. Um, R. There is a left back. Number three is left back, though. So you've got yeah. to go for left back, yeah? Oh, okay. okay. Do, you remember, do you remember he played 287 times for us in between 1955 <laughs> and 1965? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. Um, the, other R, the other R I'm thinking is Ramon Vega. Could I play him as a full back? Like, he just sort of played nowhere, didn't he? Also Ray Evans. Let's go. Let's go Vega. I'm gonna shoehorn him in at right back. So I've got A for centre back. Well, isn't a four? Isn't four the defensive midfielder? Aren't the centre backs five and six? No, I've got four and. According to this, I've got four and five oh, as okay. centre backs. All right then. Cheers. Uh, a at centre. A centre half. I'm getting. Okay. It's so bad. Um, You're going to end up with Anthony Gardner. I'm going to end up with Anthony Gardner. Have we even had any other A? We haven't had any Lennon. I put Gil- Andy, uh, Alan Gilzine in as well, but I'm going to have to put Anthony Gardner in. 
So that's an R for another centre half, is it? R for another centre half, yeah. <laughs> We're in this horrible loop of Ricardo Rocha. I'm not going to go for Ricardo Rocha. There must be somebody else. Got Richard Goff. Oh, oh yeah, Richard Goff. Yeah. Richard Goff. I'll go with Richard Goff. So that's H. That puts me central midfield H. How, oh, I'm going to end up having a Harry Winks, aren't I? Um, oh, there's always Hossam Ghali. Harry, oh, I mean, that's perspective, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Harry, we, I'm going to go Harry Winks, central midfield then, as my number six. So then ASD, that is number seven for you and S. And what's that? Is that right midfield? Do we right agree, concur that's right midfield? Right, that is seven? right midfield, yeah. Um... Oh, you could have a we could have a Welshman. I'm thinking Simon Davis, you know. Yeah, could have a Welshman in there. So that's an S for central midfield now, is it? Yes. Let's have another eight. Yeah. Steve mm. Malbronk. Oh. oh. <laughs> I love Steve Malbronk. Oh, I mean, these sides are ugly, aren't they? Imagine the side with Steve Malbronk centre midfield. Um, so that leaves me with an E. For number nine. For number nine. And there's only one. Front. And that is... He's already been mentioned this evening. Came from Togo. Steal your footballs. Oh, I'll take that, though. That's the, like, I'm, I'm happy with that. Emmanuel Adebayor. So another R for, ten, for number ten, yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, you've got this one there. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think. Is a compav play behind behind (laughs) number 10? Uh, It has to be Ricky Villa. Oh, you at Villa. I would have thought you would have gone Van der Vaart for number 10. I just didn't run around enough. I thought you were going to go Lennon Soldado just for comedy. Left midfield, Aaron Lennon then, number 11. Lennon. N. Okay, so then that puts... Oh, I'm back to keepers. Start with an N, which maybe don't even exist. Townsend. We go around again. Do you, do you want, not want to go around to try and have a full team? Have we done that? We've just that done it. 11. We've got a collective one, haven't we? That was it. We just did one to eleven. Yeah. So what was well, that? So we had Loris in goal. Yeah. Oh, let's not do this. Steve, <laughs> we had we had Steve Carr at right back. Yeah. We had Roman <laughs> Vega. That, Anthony Gardner. Anthony Gardner. Sorry. Richard Goff. Richard, Richard Goff. Goff. Harry, Harry Winks. Harry Winks. Christ. <laughs> Was Simon Davis. Simon Davis. Steve Malbronk. Steve Malbronk. <laughs> Emmanuel Adebayo. Emmanuel Adebayo. Ricky Villa. And Aaron Lennon. Lennon. That midfield is hot. Davis, Winks, Malbronk and Lennon. <laughs> horrible. Lennon midfield. played on the left as well. With and who's his, who's his central defence? Let me go. So it's Hugo and goal. It's Steve Carr, Richard Goff, Anthony Gardner and Ramon Vega. As you <laughs> Midfield. So Gardner and... and, uh, and Va- Sorry, who is it? Richard Goff and Anthony Gardner in front to shore up that midfield. Brilliant. To, to, Brilliant. And then the midfield of Davis, Winks, Malbronk and Lennon and then Vera and Antibio. You know what? Vera and Antibio are up top. There's goals. But... <laughs> I mean, you're probably going to have to score eight or nine to even get a draw, aren't you, with that midfield and back four? That's so good. I just, that's really got me that Steve Malbronk's playing centre midfield. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Funny. Well, that was some good fun. Um, if we've had a go at home listening to that, please send us in what your teams are, because I'd be quite intrigued to see if anybody has got a worse side than that in playing that game. Um, 
Chris, you're going to talk to us a little bit about the North London derby at the weekend. Yeah, so we played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, again with no fans, sadly, but I think the, you know, the the, the players loved it, obviously, because it's a completely different experience being in a in a stadium like ours and about what, you know, what it feels like as a, you know, sort of newly professional um, to be there. So the Instagram was was quite fun from the players. Um, we lost 3-0. We haven't won in seven. Uh, Vivienne Miedemar, who's probably one of the best strikers in the world, scored an absolute beauty, which was a volley in the box. Where she just, it was great shape. Um, our manager was, you know, like her and her sort of assessment was that we were a bit tentative in the first half, which we were, and we could have put, been more forceful in putting them under pressure in the first half. We did grow into the game, but we were already two 0 down at half time, and they do have, they've got better players than us. There's no two ways around it. You know, they're a Champions League team. We've only just come into the WSL. Um, I still concur that I've, you know, I've said this before that our one of our best players, Ash Neville, has been injured, but she'll be back soon, hopefully after the international break. But there are reasons to be hopeful. We created some chances, which was great, and we've been creating chances. The goalkeeper, the number one goalkeeper's back, um, Becky Spencer, which was great because mm. I fear it might have been worse otherwise. It's a good group, and we've got a talented head coach. Mm. And, you know, there was an 18-year-old playing um, at right back, yeah. Esther Morgan, and they were all, like, you know, bigging her up on social media, calling her Big Est, which kind of, it just, again, kind of shows you it's a it's a good group. And she's come up through the ranks. It's the first time that's happened because mm. we've been building that set up for a while. And so I think props have to go to Karen Hills, who's this week was announced that she's gone to Charlton, actually. Yeah. Um, Great appointment from Charlton. That, yeah, really yeah. good. And, you know, she played there, actually. She won a, an FA Cup there um, alongside Hope Powell in 2004, I think it was. So, you know, it's great that she's there now. But, you know, that's something that that's her legacy, basically. It's something that she's been building. Um, so I think it was all right. We showed decent account of ourselves in the second mm-hmm. half. But, you know, we're not we're not in that league, sadly. But I think we're only two years into the WSL. And as I say, it's a good group. We've got a talented head coach. Um, and while we're talking about the women's team, one for the archives. And if you want to download Saturday's Pointless Celebrities, I don't know if you noticed, it was a footballer's edition. And uh, club legend and ex-captain Jenna Scalacci and our former number one goalkeeper, Chloe Morgan, were on. Amazing. Uh, Blink and you would have missed it. They joined the 200 club for anyone that knows Pointless. They got two wrong answers <laughs> and they went straight out. But to give them credit, it was snooker player nicknames, which is quite niche knowledge. I mean, yeah, I'd maybe have so, judged them more if they'd have got through. <laughs> exactly. But it was it's really it was great to see them on sort of primetime TV next to, you know, John Hartson was on, Paul Parker, um, David James. So, you know, it was... Um, it was it was it was a good addition. It was nice to see them on there. Yeah, that's great. I've been doing um, some coaching with Jenna at a club, uh, a football oh, club you? in Chigwell. Yeah, Colbrook Royals. It's this huge soccer school that I've coached at for years. And uh, yeah, she joined us maybe last summer. It's been like maybe twelve, eighteen months. And She's it's just great, like, Jenna. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant coach. Like the kids just absolutely love her yeah. sessions. It's brilliant to watch. And she um, was commentating as well, actually. Um, 
or yesterday as well, which was great for Spurs TV. Mm. And Ash was in was in with them um, with in Ben yeah, yeah, on yeah. N17 Live, so that was great as well. So you know, it was good to see it sort of treated in the same way as a big men's fixture because yeah. I think it's the right it's the right thing to do. And it was a you know it was a decent game of football. And I think as we build that and with these as we talked about it last week with this new um, broadcasting deal, there's going to be more attention, more eyes on it, and it can only be good for the game. Yeah, definitely. You just hope that it sounds like it's going to be a bit of relegation scrap now to the end of the season. Then it's only one team that goes down, oh, and I think I think we should just be all right. Um, and we've got Man City at the weekend as well, which is obviously hard again because they're another top club. But I think if we pick up a few points after that, we should be all right. And then I think, and then Rianne gets to re to regroup. I mean, she has yeah. been here from the beginning of the season as well, so she gets her transfer window, her pre-season, her way of like you know stamping you know what she wants on the team. So yeah. I think there are reasons to be hopeful. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, there was no men's game this weekend, but there's been international football. Um, England have been action in, in action twice. Um, unsurprisingly, Harry Kane was on the score sheet uh, in the last game. But I wanted to chat a little bit about the media treatment and coverage of Harry Kane. Now, I just I find this absolutely astonishing. And it's not just Harry Kane. I think it's any young, really like world class footballer that England have tends to just get absolutely slaughtered in the media. Um, I think if you compare like other nations, like how they treat their captain, like I know Kane's not on the same level as Ronaldo, but like in Portugal, like he's just, you know, he's treated like an absolute God and the Messiah. And it's like you go all around the world, really. And the sort of the top players are praised in the media. And it's like I just feel like it's frustrating reading all the headlines about Kane. And there's always speculation about his future, but it just seems to be even more so the last few months. Um, What did you make of some of the comments from from the press and from the media saying that, you know, he's got to go, he'd be thinking about his future, all of that stuff. What do you make of all of that when you read it and hear it? I kind of wish they had something better to talk about. It's Mm. like, what do they care? We're talking about England. What are they doing? And it's, you know, but the thing is, it's like you don't do that to the big clubs. You you don't wouldn't necessarily do that to players outside City, United and probably now Liverpool. Um, and everyone else is fair game. But also, I think, you know, let's be clear, Roy Keane hates everyone. <laughs> so, you know, like having him sort of bad-mouthing um, Harry Kane and saying, you know, whatever it was that he suggested, oh, you have to take that with a pinch of salt. And so, you know, I saw Kane and, um, sorry, Keane and Ashley Cole, and you just think, well, Roy Keane hates everyone, and Ashley Cole might as well be trolling us. So, <laughs> but it's a good point you make about kind of the reverence I mean, not mm. that you have to revere him, but he's like, he's a good guy as well. Yes, that's it. Like, that's you know what, what I mean? is it's so like, baffling. Leave him be. And, I, you know, I, I personally obviously want him to stay here and break every record imaginable. But I want to say it quietly. I also wouldn't blame him for leaving if we mm. don't manage to do anything, you know, if we don't manage to nick something this season. Yeah, exactly. Um, on a personal level, if if I was him, I'd want to win trophies. You know, I'd, you've got five years left in your career, give or take, considering his injuries. Um, if I had the chance to earn, you know, 50% more and win a few trophies and then maybe come back to Spurs and break a record or get close to it, maybe. I don't know. I just, you have a look at Carl Walker. You have a look at Gareth Bale. Would they have won what, what they've won without us? Now, obviously, Bale's from Wales, uh, Walker's from up north, but... They wouldn't 
frankly. They wouldn't have won any, what they would have won. And Kane deserves it more than anyone in our team. He stuck with us. He stuck with us through different managers. I, there's a bit of me which I've I've always said it would question his commitment and his want to win. But then also I totally understand. Like if I could appear for Cardiff City when I when I did my Ironman, um, the start of Ironman you you have to get up at six, you go put your bike in T1 transition one, uh, and you then go down onto the beach in 10B. I'm there. It's 10 to 7 in the morning and the beach on Tembi is surrounded by hills you've got 3,000 athletes for that's what we were and <laughs> they play all the people watching the sun's rising all the people stood uh stood on the cliffs and they play the Welsh National Anthem and I've never been prouder in my entire life and like the idea one cap for Wales in anything I'd be so proud so I, I get the pride thing um so I'm split, and but the media thing, the media, I do, I, I'm sure every club thinks that they're the media is yeah. against them, apart from if they're Arsenal. I don't I, like the. I think what we're seeing is we saw great teams from Arsenal and Man United in the 90s and early 2000s, and those players are now becoming commentators, and we're just seeing the backlash of that. They all hate Tottenham. They all hate how successful we are. We're always just a lads, it's Tottenham thing. So media idiots, they. They have to make every Sunday Super Sunday. So every Sunday is just Sunday. It's not Super Sunday. They have to make everything bigger. They have to fill time. And so they just do it by taking pot shots at the King, really. And so that, that's what that's what they're doing. Like the, they don't do this about Dominic Calvert-Lewin because he's not as good as Kane. You know, that, that's, it, that's it. It's tall poppy syndrome. I do think as well with the Kane leaving thing, for me, there are shades of Steven Gerrard about it. And you know where Steven Gerrard openly said since he's retired, yes, he could have left and he could have won league titles, more Champions Leagues, more trophies. But in his mind, winning one or two things, and he won a little bit more than that, at Liverpool meant so much more to him than winning four or five titles at Chelsea, Real Madrid. And I wonder if there's shades of that with Kane as well, that like, you know, becoming the Premier League's all-time scorer and Tottenham's all-time top scorer, maybe winning like, NFA Cup or a couple of League Cup, maybe to him that might mean just as much as going to City, being a squad player and sort of just being part of a good team. Whereas like at Spurs, he you know he is the main man. Like it's his club, isn't it? It's like it's not just necessarily like what on the pitch would change for him. It's like he'd go from being the you know absolute golden boy of Tottenham to one of the pack at City, and it's like there's that change as well. So it's like without knowing him, it's difficult to know you know is that something that that he'd want to do or not, but. I think that would be such a massive change. And it's like, I try and think of myself in that position. And it's like, you know, if I was a pro footballer playing for Spurs, I'd, I just don't think I'd ever want to leave. I feel like the only time I'd want to leave would be if like, I wasn't playing. Like, do you know what I mean? Even if Spurs weren't doing that great, I'd just be like, it's your club. Like, I just think normally in football, when you're in the game professionally, you lose your your ties, don't you, with who you support as a kid. And like, because like it becomes a job. But then when you're playing for that side... It's sort of like he's never lost it. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's, his whole life he's been a Spurs fan. He's come through the academy. He's a first teamer. He's England captain. Like, all of that. So if, I, I don't know. I don't know if he would leave. Like I don't worry. I don't worry that much about him. I worry more about other players, like mainly Son, going than I do about Kane. Just because he strikes me as a guy that's quite loyal as well and wouldn't, you know, wouldn't go for, it wouldn't be chasing the money or anything like that. And I just think that. He could do something at Spurs that, you know, he 
yes, he could go and win more titles, but like, what he could do at Spurs, he couldn't do anywhere else. Like, he couldn't go down as one of the arguably the greatest player ever to be the club's top scorer. Like, he's not going to achieve any of that stuff anywhere else. So it's just how does that weigh up versus going to City and winning Premier Leagues and potentially winning the Champions League? It's like I don't know if that was me. I think it, I'd be very, very torn about what to do. The 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 Gerard point. Gerard was leaving to go to Real Madrid, right? Rep- this is a massive report, and he his family got threatened by Liverpudlian gangsters. So I, Gerard wanted to leave. So that is an interesting bit of revisionist history from Gerard there. Um, top, I mean, you're immortal if you've won the Champions League. You know, it's that's the medal. It's it's that's what it's all about. It's mm-hmm. son. I I can completely see him going to Juventus. They Ronaldo wants to go back to Real Madrid. They need. An attacking player, why not go for Son? You know, but, but yeah, I mean, all of this is just speculation. There's, we don't know. You know, I just it's it is what it is. You made a point the other week though, ASD. I think it was you about Lamella's goal in the North London derby. It's like that was a cracking goal, but you don't. All you remember is the score. So uh, it's a slightly tenuous leap, but you don't remember everyone who wins a Champions League medal. It happens every year. You know, there are all sorts of players that win Champions League medals. So I'm, yeah. I'm most, I mostly agree with you, but tonight I'm going to agree with Jack. And I think there's something about being an, the the best Spurs player ever. And like that will be hands down and it will be for, you know, I don't know whether they actually did this, but they talked about um, like a time capsule um, when they built the stadium. I don't know if they did it. And one of the things in there was going to be something from Harry Kane talking about mm. what his aspiration was about being about what he wanted to achieve at Spurs. So, you know, obviously there's going to be stuff in there about winning things, etc. But there is also going to be to be the all time top scorer to be, you know, etc. I think the other thing is if he has a good World Cup mm. sorry, or certainly sorry, a good Euros. If he has a good Euro, it's going to cost 170 million quid. No one's going to be able to afford him post-COVID. Well, that's it. That's a good point. And also, like, I would not England aren't going to win the Euros before anybody accuses me of saying that. But, like, let's say something crazy happened and England did, right? And you forget that England got to World Cup semi-final without having a plan. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but I'm, I'm going to say it. Yeah. Um, you know where I'm going with this. But let's, you know, let's say something crazy happened and England won it. Like, potentially that could almost satisfy, you know what I mean, this hunger that apparently he's got for trophies like I, I don't know I just I can see here like I, I can't picture him at another club like and that might sound weird but like there's so many players where it's just sort of like yeah you could really see them going like you can imagine Sky Sports News with the transfers and all of that and you can imagine watching him in the Champions League in a different kit I just can't see it with Kane I really can't I don't know if I'm looking at it through rose tinted glasses but it just that he's never struck me as somebody that would try and force a move or anything like that well, no one fantasizes about their partner being with another per- another person, right? That, that you know, that, that's 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 not what the worrying we do. thing. The worrying thing, mate. Some people do, and I'm sure I'm sure Abbas is listening. <laughs> oh God. Step one: get partner. Step two: think about it with something else. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't really care. I, I know we're, we're meant to talk about this stuff. I don't really care. <laughs> we'll move on. Dane Scarlett, he's just signed until 2023. Get him on board. Put him up front. Yeah, well, well that was a good, good bit of news, though, from the club, wasn't it, this week, with him yeah, signing that? Yeah. Um, you know, and we know we haven't seen too much of him because he's so young in the, in the senior side, but 
the goal scoring record he's got, you know, in the 21s and that, and the eight, under 8s, he's just absolutely phenomenal. Like, it's just, you look at it and you think, like, how are you scoring that many goals? It's mm. like, and then you get players like Haaland, don't you, at Dortmund, that then just go into the first team and start doing it there. And you just think, like, that what is, is... What is the deal with him? He, I, he's I don't, a freak. It's so weird. He's like gangly he doesn't look like a player who scores and then he just scores goals that's all he does is just score goals he looks like a Sunday league player but genuinely it's the, that's the type of striker you get at that level when it's like oh this will be a nothing game and he turns out to be unbelievable it's like he's, you've been playing FIFA too long or a championship manager and they need, they've need started making new players and they, they've just gone like randomised and out comes Harland and suddenly he's just like the best striker in the world Phenomenal, isn't he? Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, do we have any other business this week? Well, I thought we were preparing about players. You said earlier on the group oh, we were. Yeah, we're doing a player story. I'm, I've literally had what a is wrong with you? day today, and my, my head has completely gone all over the place. We were preparing players. Oh god, um, I didn't do it because oh, I. Fine. We but it's all right. I, I can come up with something. I'm sure. Now, ASD, you were going to talk about Hugo, weren't you? Is that oh, right? yeah. The reason I'm going to talk about Hugo, I've always loved that man, like deeply loved that man. And I, the reason I deeply love that man is he is just brilliant. We do not have a history of great keepers. We have had some great keepers, but they're interspersed with, with sublime and ridiculous keepers or just not very good keepers. And we bought this player in t- 2012 for 10 million euros with 5 million add-ons. And we had Brad Friedel. Brad Friedel was on the longest consecutive Premier League game streak ever. Remember, it was it, by the t- and we bought Hugo, meant to be this world-class goalkeeper, sitting on the bench, just constantly sitting on the bench, sitting on the bench, while Brad Friedel was racking up this record. And it got to a point where I think it was like November, December, um, where he put Hugo on and started uh, ahead of Brad Friedel in Premier League, breaking I think it was 310. Mm. games in a row that's crazy that's like he doesn't miss a game for nearly 10 years unbelievable I mean hats off to him and Friedel was a great keeper but he was older I think he was 38 39 by the time he by, by that time and he just which meant his mobility was awful but he was positionally brilliant strategically brilliant he was just reliable 70% every game now Hugo came in and he was this skinny beautiful man who we did this weird sweeper keeper thing, which you forget was, that, don't you? We forget that he just used to charge out, charge out goal. to the point where it would be on like match of the day, and you could see Hugo, and you couldn't see the goal in the same frame because he would be so far out. And he made a few mistakes, didn't he? He, he, he fouls outside the box and things like that, but it generally worked out well. He never, re- I don't really remember him coming for punches and things like that. But what he's settled into now, I, I do want to say that the drink driving thing is abhorrent. It's disgusting. I've got no time for that. And there's a bit of me which wishes he was out for that, frankly, because I just I don't have time for that. If if we're going to there's other players who who have done similar things. And we if he was in Chelsea, I'd mention it every game. So I, that is poor. Um, a uh, quick a quick Hugo story, Esther, just on the mistakes he used to make when he first joined. Was I remember in a Europa League game, him trying to like dribble past the opposition oh, forward oh, in the six yard box, getting tackled and it going. It was one of his first games, and yeah. there was this guy that used to sit a couple of rows in front of me at the, at the old ground, who just he was basically like a Roy King, Chris. He hated everyone, he hated every first <laughs> player. Like it was it was yeah. just he just hated yeah. it, and you just used to think like, why are you going? And I remember. Hugo doing that and him just being like not good enough 
like yeah. wrote him, completely wrote him off at that point. It's like I just love the thought of that guy, you know, ten years ago. He's still he's still watching Hugo every week, even though the fact is he wrote him off in the first couple of weeks. That was the time. Do you remember? Because there was a time when uh, credits, your ticket credits, um, lasted forever, wasn't it, or ten years or something like that? And for those who don't know, when you had a season ticket, you had your ticket. And the amount of games you went to then became a credit for you to then go and be able to buy away tickets. So it was almost impossible for anyone who hadn't been a season ticket holder for years and years and years to get a season ticket. They then changed that to be four years rolling, I think. And suddenly a lot of the old school uh, were a bit screwed over because they weren't going, they were selling the ticket off or whatever. Um, But that period when it was just the infinite credits, there were loads of those people around, like loads of people who just sit there like next to their mates, just arms folded the entire game going, this is shit. (laughs) They were the type of fans fans that a game would kick off, you'd go in front after two minutes and they'd go too early. (laughs) It was was those fans, it's those type of fans. They're just never, ever happy. But that's what makes it so. They're the type of fans that I really miss as well. Oh, it's yeah. like when stuff is bad and you're like watching it frustrated at home, when you're in the ground, it never seems quite as bad because there's always somebody that looks like they're going to burst a blood vessel in their eye, like how angry they are. And it's sort of like that stuff always calms me down in the stadium. So, I mean, I, I don't want to take up too much time if you go to it because I started to write down significant saves and I just got bored because there, there's so many brilliant saves. Like his, there's so many stats about he saves more goals the expected goals that should have gone in than every other keeper and his clean sheets record, everything. He's absolutely brilliant. And his distribution is quite poor, like both long and his, his short um, distribution isn't great. But this guy... I thought that if he could kick, he would definitely be the best goalkeeper in the world. Because his reflexes are unbelievable. How many times have we seen volleys and headers in front of him and he gets gets to it? The strongest wrists from the slimmest, most beautiful arms that you've ever seen. Uh, I love him. I, just... I remember the save against, I think it's Leverkusen in the Champions League where a cross gets whipped in and the ball's gone past. I don't know how he's, it's like, it's not normal how he saved it, but the ball's like gone past him and he manages to keep it out. It's an it's a ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous save. Do you remember there was one from Danny Welbeck, I'm talking like 2016, where Danny Welbeck's on the left-hand side of the box and there's two centre-backs in front of Hugo, so he cannot see it. And Welbeck puts a stunning (laughs) shot into curving into the top right hand corner a bit like a Coutinho type shot and Hugo makes the most amazing save like he I, I love the man and he's what I like about his shot saving as well is it's always elegant do you know what I mean it's like he never you know you've got some goalkeepers where like they save it but he's scruffy whereas like with Hugo it's always elegant like he like glides in the air doesn't he? he's like I wouldn't you can't even say he dives he glides to the mm. ball to save it and it's just it's a very it's a very enjoyable goalkeeper to watch so if you watch the highlight reel of Hugo, like some of the saves and that were just incredible. He does unexpected. World Cup. He's won a World Cup. He captained the team to a World Cup. He lifted the World Cup. He's he makes saves that you do not expect. I'm sure he saved us. You know, he he saved us points or he's kept us in games that we didn't deserve to be in. Um, and I think I think he's just brilliant. And he's getting a bit disrespected recently, but I think the amount of clean. I think he's got the most clean sheets in the Premier League. Like of any uh, goalkeeper more than 50 appearances. I just, 
and his um, contract comes to an end ne- end of next season. So at the end of this season, he can start talking to um, mm-hmm. talking to people. And he's always said he wants to move back home, which obviously we totally get, and maybe even play in America. So we'll see. I think he'll be really expensive to replace. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for, for all the complaints that people make, I mean, I think about the Pradley Wise WhatsApp group. There's loads of moaning about Hugo. It's like, be careful what you wish for, my friends, because you know he will go. I think he'll probably go back to France, and you know we'll have a, a period of adjustment. Let's say, I would yeah. imagine. Well, we'll yeah, go but... back to just trying them. We'll go back to Gomez's and things like that. I'm, I'm well up for getting Gazaniga back. I, I don't know why we got rid of him. I really like Gazaniga, but. Just on the Hugo stuff, like I've always been very vocal in terms of that I like him as a keeper, but I've never thought he was a real, real top goalie. But there's no argument that when he does go, the the shift and that that changes the dynamics completely of a side. Like we've definitely taken for granted the fact that we've had the same goalkeeper for so long, and it's like you can sort yeah. of park the ability for a second. And what I said about me not thinking he's quite world class, but like. You know he's going to be there every week. Like there's just never any question marks really about the goalkeeper. And mm. if you think about times when keepers have come in, I mean you can even use Hugo as that example. Like it takes keepers a little bit of time to settle and get used to. It, it takes a back four to get used to know what the goalkeeper's going to do. Like it is quite rare that keepers come in and instantly they're absolutely brilliant. Like the only one really can think of I can think of recently is Allison at Liverpool. But like even Edison at City, it took him a bit of time to get settled. Um, so it's difficult, you know, De Gea at United. Like he looked absolutely dreadful, didn't he, to start with? And it was like, oh, he's going to be out. So it, I definitely agree with that point that when he does go, like it is going to be a big shift for us. Um, and goalkeepers are such an important position. Like you, you, you can't have a below par goalkeeper. Like you just you can't have it. Um, but there are some good keepers out there, though. But it, it's going to cost a bit of money to replace him and we won't get a big fee for Hugo either that's the thing it's not as if he's going to go and we're going to get 40 million like you're not really going to get much for him well the it like the Nick Pope has been suggested he's 29 and for 35 minutes not worth it Dean Henderson at United it's 23 but he's going to be stupid money Edison and Allison what cost 80 million each that's silly money like that's crazy money and it's worth saying that I, we've always had the debate about Lloris being top five in the world Spurs are not not a top five team in the world. And so he's always been above us in that, in that respect. And so we've got to give credit to him for that. He's, he's, he ranks higher than Tottenham and he always has done. So it's amazing that he's been happy to play in the Europa League. He could have gone, he could have gone to PSG. He really could have, could have gone to City. But that's, that's what I mean. Like, because, you know, because he's been captain at the club for quite a few years as well. And I do think that people underestimate the fact that if you are a big player, aside like that is such a big factor to, to stay in because mm. it's like again we're saying that you know and I won't go down the debate of could Hugo have gone and played for a Madrid or a Barcelona or whatever but like let's just say for the argument of this he could you go from being the captain the leader and one of the main guys to then being a again just one of the squad and it's like mm. that is a big change for people and it's like maybe that's a factor I guess his success with the national team has helped as well like I know the World Cup wasn't wasn't that long ago but still like France have always sort of been a strong international side so look for all the stick that I give Hugo he's been a brilliant goalkeeper like there's no question I don't think there's any Spurs fan that would say he's not been a brilliant goalkeeper for us because he really has um and it will be strange it's like we went with Fatongan going like it's Mm. just it's gonna it will just feel a little bit odd to 
go to a game and the team sheets be read out and it not being number one Hugo Lloris. Like it, that would just feel a little bit weird. Yeah, I wonder if they'll do him a nice uh, leaving party that we can watch a bit of. And I actually cried when I watched that. Yeah, yeah, Jan's leaving party. Yeah, yeah, maybe watching. Hugo will get a nice watch as well. You never know. Hope he gets a cab home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't drive, Hugo. Bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drive. Uh, Chris, who were you going to talk about? I was going to talk. I, I, I was going to talk about Eric Dyer. Now I know that it's not particularly uh, a popular um, character currently, but I think you know Eric Dyer has been with us since 2014 and is you know I think he's been a a really important part of our journey to being a top side. So I'm going to talk about the man, though, more than the footballer, because I think that's what makes him really interesting. So he's got a real football pedigree. I think his granddad was the uh, was the secretary of the FA and his great uncle played for Charlton. So he's got a football pedigree. You know, he grew up in Portugal, so he speaks fluent Portuguese I think he speaks Spanish as well so he's an interesting guy to have in the dressing room when you've got such a multicultural dressing room and different languages being spoken and he kind of gets that a bit I think he's ego free which I think is important but he's also not a pushover so I think there's something really interesting about that in a dynamic um his debut meant a lot to me actually because I was at um Upton Park that day when he scored that winner like yeah. from right back and rounded the keeper and it was also um my wife died in 2014 and it was the last um away game we went to together and it was that one and we talked about Hugo um about Hugo so he got me going we talked about Eric Dyer all the way home because we were like this is a big deal you know like he's going to be brilliant and so I've kind of stayed fond of him because of that. Um, I also I read a, a, a um, I read an email called Politico every morning, which is like what's going on in Westminster. And one day, randomly, it was the head. One of the headlines was Eric Dyer spotted in the public gallery during a debate about the restoration of Parliament. And I was like, that's amazing. It makes him even more amazing. Um, I asked him about that because we actually we interviewed him for the Proud Lily Whites um, in December and he looked at me like really puzzled and then re- remembered that he got given a tour of the House of Commons by David Lammy and so they popped in <laughs> during a debate and it was that but he was obviously spotted by some kind of Westminster hack um, and but I believe I said to him sorry Eric I'm going to carry on telling the story as if you're interested in the restoration of Parliament because it's much better than you're having a tour from David Lammy. <laughs> Um, and I think we shouldn't forget as well like how ill he was do you remember when he had his appendix out and then he had like a massive problem with his immune system and he was out for ages and they didn't know what was wrong with him and that's going to take his toll on you as well like psychologically I I don't think he's really recovered from it if you you really look at it like he has really struggled to get back since that injury I think you made such a good point to bring that up yeah so I think that that I think that mattered as well but I think finally for me is that he is a brilliant ally from a Bradley White's and LGBTQ plus fan perspective. You know, he's always the first one to um, wear rainbow laces to get involved in stuff. You know, we had a brilliant conversation with him and, and Pierre, Pierre, I call him Pierre. We, I, I asked him, I said to him, how, how do you want us to be, address you? He said, just Pierre is fine. Um, where we talked about their allyship and, 
you know, he was really open about how important it was. You know, he said that he's got a family member who's in the community and that's why it matters to him. Because I said, we noticed you from really early on, you know, from the beginning of your Spurs career, you wanted to support the campaign. And he said, yeah, it really matters to me. And it matters to me that we don't just take ages for like young people to grow up and take some of, you know, some of the discrimination and hatred out of the game. We've got to like do something now and be good role models. So, you know, like that is a big tick from me. And he's just seems like a really nice fella. As I say, ego free, um, scored a penalty in the World Cup for England. That doesn't happen very often. Well, he took the last one against Colombia, didn't he? Exactly. So the amount of pressure for that. And the free, do you remember his free kick for England? I think it was against Russia, which we ended up drawing in the World Cup when he smacked that in the top corner and it was like, oh, what a moment. Yeah. Yeah. And he's an entrepreneur as well. I don't know if you know about his app. Yeah. Obviously. Social media one, yeah. 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 Well, I, 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 I always. Before lockdown, want a social, an app about where you go out to eat. <laughs> Maybe it'll pick up now. Uh, I've, I've always loved Eric Dyer and he has been one of my favourite players for Spurs in the last five, six years. Um, I think that his form has uh, massively dipped in the last 18 months and there's a lot of questions about whether or not he'll get back to the player he was. Um, I think that he's one of the few players that strikes me that's got a bit about him mm. from the current Spurs group. That sort of, You see a little bit of it in the Amazon documentary as well that like he's not afraid to say you're not good enough, you're not doing your job and it's like you need people like that, you do need it and I uh, part of me thinks like maybe that's what saved his first career in the last 18 months is is the personality and yeah. the character because it's not all about ability in football like you do have to have more than that um and I do remember from the documentary Jose saying that Dyer was the only player in the Spurs squad that enjoyed the confrontational side of the game like mm. when it starts to get niggly and it's get and there's verbals being thrown and all of this like he was the only one that was like actually like he thrives up, upon this um I really like him, look. What's interesting about that, though, Jack, sorry if I could just interrupt you for a Mm. second, is that there's something about the fact, though, that he's also a nice guy. Mm. So it's like a weird, almost contradiction that he likes the niggle and likes the confrontation, isn't afraid to sort of stand up for himself and for his teammates. But I think you take that more if it's from somebody who, as I say, is ego-free and a decent and a nice fella. And some people can do that, can sort of ride that. And I think that he manages that. And I think you're right about how that's kind of kept him as an still as an important member of the squad. And also, you don't captain your country, even granted for just one game, if you're not a good player and you you don't have personality. Like, it's not just like you, you're never given an armband in a football team at any level uh, on purely just ability. Like, you've got to be able to bring people together and lead by example and all of that so it's like, I've always loved the guy I thought he was brilliant I just yeah. I used to just like I just used to like watching his aggression on the pitch more than anything and those days of a back three of him Toby and Jan were just you know absolutely fantastic but w- will he get back to that point I'm not sure if he will but he can certainly look back on the dire period with like some great some great memories especially the battle of the bridge him just crunching Fabregas about seven times and only getting one book in I mean he should have been sent off three times in that game but. I, I think that I think he can I think he can and I think he will I, I, we're not we've been told not to mention our manager but I think maybe it's a manager thing I don't say our manager can't get the best out of him I just maybe it's not the right style or there's something there I I'm fully confident that there's a, a brilliant player in there that we can get back because it's the, the the man 
knows how to play football and the man's got the right attitude. That it's, mm. that's, the, that's the right formula. Mm. Agree. I'll just finish by talking a little bit about one of my favourite centre-backs, Toby Alderweireld. Um, again, another player that in probably the last six to 12 months has come under quite a lot of criticism. But if we can just sort of park all of that for a minute and, and think back to when we signed him. So he signed in 2015 after a year on loan at Southampton. Um, and I think for a lot of people, he seemed quite an underwhelming signing. It was just sort of like, oh, we're getting a guy from Southampton. It was a bit like, mm, is that is that really the calibre of player we want? The proper footballing people amongst us were absolutely over the moon when it got announced that we'd got him because he is as close to a complete centre-back, I think, as you can get. I think his, his only real weakness for me from day one of watching him has been in the air. I see him get dominated a little bit too much in the air against certain um, strikers and set pieces. He's never been fantastic like he, he's not been commanding like sort of the real real top center backs are um in the world but if you look at the rest of him i mean he reads the game absolutely brilliantly like he's the type of center back that leaves the pitch after 90 minutes and there's not a single speck of dirt on his shirt because he's not needed to go to ground he's just read the game and there's yeah. there's something quite ledley-esque about him in in that sense yeah. um and he's an extremely graceful centre-half. It's like, well, he needs to be powerful and he needs to mix it with strikers, no problem. But the way he reads the game is fantastic. And his distribution from from centre-back is hands down the best I've ever seen at Spurs. Like There, there is not a centre-back that even comes close to what, what they can do with the ball at their feet. I mean, he used to get assists in open play. It's just, it's absolutely mad that, you know, you, I think back of, you know, prime order of Ariel and it's him reading the game picking the ball up playing a 60-yard ball over the top Delhi making a run bang with mm-hmm. sport um his partnership with Fatongan just for a number of years uh, even more so at Spurs absolutely fantastic well, it, and it was 16 years they played together they played together as youth players at Ajax then he then he went to Atletico didn't he and that's where we got him from oh yeah. yeah 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 but and you forget as well that like he won La Liga at Atletico playing right back. It, it, do you know what I mean? So it's like, and he played right back a lot in the national side. So it's like you forget about the versatility that that you know he's had throughout his career as well. And I wasn't there. Wasn't there a stat that he played more professional games with Fatongan than without? Which was just like that is such an extraordinary, extraordinary thing to experience. But we talked we, when you spoke about Hugo earlier. Esty was saying about you know about how you know he's always been above Spurs as a level. But I actually. I think when we got him, he was way above us, but he's dragged us to his level. Like He has been instrumental in the, the rise of us over the last few years. And yeah, yeah. you forget that, you know, before he joined, we were notoriously soft and shaky at the back. And that was the Tottenham way was that, you know, you would never be even in the top seven or eight teams for, for goals conceded in clean sheets. It just wouldn't happen. So then all of a sudden, you know, for three or four years, we had one of the best defences around. Like teams would play us and would be like, God, how are we going to get break down this back line? And, you know, obviously Jan was a big part of that. But Alderweireld for me was just the real missing piece of the jigsaw for us defensively. Um, and I watch him play now and I still think that he's a quality player. I think that it's been difficult for him because it seems like he's playing with a different partner every single week. One week is Sanchez, then dies and then it's Rode and then all of a sudden Davis is, and then Tanganga's and it's just constantly changing all the time. So... I still think that there is a good couple of years we can get out of him. I just think we need to find that centre-back partner, ideally the left-sided one, 
to come and play alongside him. And, and I still think that there's a lot of a lot of good games left in Toby. But what a player. You know, if you're looking back at the best Spurs team in the Premier League era, you could maybe even go back further than that. Like, all the barrels for me is just in it all day long. Oh, but how do you do that then? Would you have a three? Because... I wouldn't play the game we played at the start of this one, that's for sure, because you'd end up he'd end up next to Eunice Cabal and Anthony Gardner somehow. I um there was one game where he scored from a corner, but just as just as the corner was being taken, I said, Come on, Toby, get your big head on it. And he did. <laughs> and everyone around was like patting me on the back, like somehow I'd like uh, I'd willed it, but so I enjoyed that. I, I also really time. enjoyed I really enjoyed his goal in the North London derby. Derby, oh, yeah. You know, it wasn't a pretty goal. It was scrappy, oh. but it was just a fact. You know, he, he, well. he was proper pumped up as well, weren't he, yeah. when he got it? And it was like, it's just mm-hmm. moments like that that are brilliant. And I think I'll always associate the old stadium with certain players. And he's definitely one of them players that I would associate with it. He's just, he's been a, just a brilliant player to watch. Yeah, I Love the man. You know, there was that thing about Ledley where if he was better, if he if his leg was um, was injured, then, you know, who knows how good he had been and would he have gone elsewhere? Mm-hmm. I think we may have seen that in Toby Alderweireld. I He reads the game as well. Athletic when he was when he was younger. I, he, he, he could have gone and played for anyone. I, I truly believe he could have played in any back four. And I think same with Hugo. When we lose Toby and the young partnership, and Hugo, we're going to see a, the back line be very different from what Spurs fans have grown accustomed to. Like, we've had some world-class players there, and Rodon's great, Tanganga great, but they're not. Toby Alderweireld, Dyer for Tonga, um, Lloris, but you mentioned a lot. You mentioned a lot of young players there, ASD, and that's why I think Alderweireld's role now is even more important than ever. And it's like mm. the next few years, you know, I still he's, he's still number one centre-back for me, but... You know, even as he gets older and maybe isn't as prominent in the first team, like if we're going to go down the route of playing younger centre halves, you have to have the experienced guys there. Like it's an absolute must. Um, so I think his role will become even more important to help develop the likes of Roden and Tanganga, who are two centre backs that genuinely, like I watch Tanganga and I think he is such a brilliant player. Brilliant. Like I, I just, I, I, I've not seen him. I've not even seen him have like a really an average game. Like every time I watch him, I'm like, Tanganga has been outstanding today. Um, and it just like, I just really hope that he gets, especially going into next season, if he can keep himself fit. Like, I just think you, when you look at modern centre-backs, like even more so the last sort of few years, like you, you want pace and power first and foremost out of your defenders now, just because that's where the game is going. And like, not only has Tanganga got that, I mean, the guy can play as well. It's like, you know, he's played full, but he's played wing-back. It's yeah. just, you know what I mean? He's played all over. So it's like, I'm super excited. And like the thought of, you know, a back four next season that has both Alderweireld and Tanganga in some capacity in, I'm like, that straight away, all of a sudden is like, I'm quite excited by that. I think that that, you know, there's foundations there of already a decent defence. Yeah, Rodon. I'm really excited about Rodon. I'm a little bit biased, but I, I'm, I think he's a massive talent as well. No, I think he is. I think you can see it. And like he hasn't had a great sort of ru- great run of games, but you can see that he's a player. Yeah. But he's not. But he's a defender as well. Like he likes to defend. It's not yeah. like he's like like wanting to be in another part part of the pitch. That's where he wants to be. And mm. Reggie, I think Reggie's a brilliant left. I I really oh, enjoy yeah. Reggie at left back. So I think you know we could get the just, goalkeeping right. You know. I think he's going home. I I I. I 
I, it just yeah. makes me sad to think. I really do. Why wouldn't you go and play for Real Madrid if they just come back in and just say you're going to be our right, our left back for the next twenty years, ten years? Yeah. Yeah. Real. Do we have any other business? Uh, Luka Modric just became Croatia's most capped player and cried when they showed his highlights. And I, you know how much I love that man. I think it's also worth mentioning because he's he's he was brilliant. Another amazing player. Like he, oh, just so good, so sick. and so like. When you think of Modric, like, you, I can't think of any times where he's done something like a crazy bit of skill, like a bit of outrageous play. It was just like, it was so so simple, his game. It was, control, get the ball in half to him, control it, play it forward. Just kept everything moving. Yeah. So made, he made did. everyone else better. And yeah. that, that's it. I love that man. And there are no players whose names end in an L, which is probably, or if there are, I didn't find them, which is why Luka Modric was not in my midfield, because I would have liked... <laughs> I was just about to say, Glenn Otto. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, anyway. Brilliant. Great. Well, look, we'll be back next week. Um, there'll be a game as well for us to talk about, so fingers crossed we're reviewing that positively. Um, but until then, remember whatever happens, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realized until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman, we are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.